wanted to get quick information about the weekly Sabbath school lesson? Well, you're nearly there. Just press the button and you will get important key informations about the weekly theme. Easy to understand. Short inversion, 5 minutes each day, 30 minutes each week. You will be well prepared for Sabbath in church. Your friends will be astonished about your knowledge. Promise, God's everlasting covenant. How can it be that the Most High of the universe is willing to make a covenant with you? How can it happen that a relationship with your Creator may succeed? Grace be with you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to study the following theme, the promise, God's everlasting covenant. Lesson 13, the new covenant life. Our memory text for this week, we find it in the Gospel of John in chapter 10, verse 10. I am come, it's a word from our Lord, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Joy. We read from the first epistle of John in the first chapter, verse 4. And these things write we unto you, why so? That your joy may be full. Your joy may be full. Now let me tell you something from my experience. When I was in younger age, in the age of youth, I had the following thought about Christianity, religion and so on. That's something for old women. They can attend 
church service. They are near death, close to death, and yeah, they should prepare for this event, for the burial, funeral. But for me, I'm young, I want to live. So I want life, not sitting there praying and mm. looking like this. I want to have joy. But what's written here? Jesus says, therefore I have come to you, that you may experience joy. And abundantly. Oh, that's interesting. Jesus said, there are two fathers. Either you trust this one and distrust the other, and then this is mistrust. So whom do you trust? The father of love or the father of lies? You normally, you normally I, yeah, whom do you trust? Whom do you trust? So the one who is a liar, <laughs> he looks as if he were not a liar. If someone wants to marry a rich woman and if he is not interested in her but in her riches and the castle and the helicopter and whatever she has in her possession, if he only wants to get what she has collected in her life, how do you, does he behave himself to get her for marriage? He will show his finest chocolate side, won't he? He wants to get all these riches around. So he pretends loving her. And that is what the devil is acting in a professional way. He pretends to be interested in your welfare. He pretends. It's only pretension. It's not earnest. His motive is to destroy you. But Jesus, he has come that you may experience joy, life, abundantly. That's the difference. One is the father of love and one is the father of lies. Whom do you trust? That's the question. Guilt-free. We read the text of the Epistle of Paul to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No condemnation to those who are 
in Christ Jesus. I can understand that. No condemnation. For whom? Who are in Christ Jesus. So what does this mean? Being in Christ Jesus. Can you see him anywhere? How can I be in him? This is a phrase used for showing it's an intimate relationship. It's a loving relationship, a friendship, a trusting friendship. There's loyalty in it, love. And this we need. And if we have developed this relationship in Jesus with him, then What's written here? No condemnation. But if I've done some good works and I have spent some money for the church here and there and, and for the poor people, and is that written here? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who are in this loving relationship. That's it. And only in this relationship there is no condemnation. In the Epistle of John, in chapter 5, and there in verse 24 we read, it's a word from Jesus, Very verily I say unto you, He that hears my word, so that's the first step, listening. And believes on him that sent me. So what will happen then? Has everlasting life. Here it is written, such a person who hears and trusts, believes in the right person, in the father of love, and not in the father of lies. He has everlasting life. It's not written, if he does not make any mistake, and this to his death. It's not written here. He that hears and trusts. He has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation so here it is again as we have read in Romans chapter 8 but such a person is passed from death unto life from death but, but I'm alive I'm alive no, I'm not without Jesus. It seems that I'm alive, but in reality I'm already dead without him. Looking into the future. So what we need is this loving relationship with Jesus that we have everlasting life 
and no condemnation at all. But what about my sins, my mistakes, what I've done wrong about my dad? If you discover how silly you have been in doing this and that and saying this and that, then you can come to Jesus with a special heart telling him, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me as you have promised? You've died, you have spilled your blood for my sins. Now I come as a sinner and want to tell you I'm sorry, please forgive me. Then it will happen. Have you already done that? New covenant and new heart. We read a text from the epistle of Paul to the Ephesians in chapter 3, the, the verses 17 to 19. And Paul says here that he's going to pray for the members of the church in Ephesus that Christ might well in your hearts by faith. And that's something special. Christ dwelling in your heart by faith. Trusting him. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, in love, you must be rooted. I wanted to get rid of a fruit tree which had grown up on a wrong place just by itself. Maybe a bird left some corn in there. So I started digging. Made a big hole around it. But I, I did not succeed. Whatever I did, oh, it was rooted, deep rooted in the ground. But it was only as thick as my arm. So it wasn't a big tree. So I worked and worked and worked. The hole became bigger and bigger, and then I could bend it in one direction, in the other one, but I couldn't get it out. And then I discovered, ah, one root goes straight into the earth. And I had only cut off the ones on the side. But here, one was down into the earth. So I had, made, I had to make another big hole to get there to cut it off with my eggs. Then, in the end, I got it. It was deeply rooted in the earth. And here we read, Christ may dwell in you that you are rooted in his love. That's the point. Rooted in his love. 
Have you ever experienced the love of Jesus, what he has done for you? That everything he did on this planet was done for you, out of love for you. Have you ever discovered that? Because if you discover this, then love in you will spring up for Jesus. And then life with him will start. So when you are rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the one to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of Christ, the knowledge of the love of Christ, passes all knowledge. You can be a scientist. You, you may have been educated. You have a PhD or whatever honors you have studied at a university. If you do not know the love of Christ, you know nothing for the future and for the everlasting life. And you will not get it. We need to know the love of Christ the knowledge about his love. And this will change everything in our attitude towards Jesus. We have to study his life to discover his love for us. And then something will be produced in you. Love towards Jesus. And then everything starts. A new life full of joy, of peace, safety. Fulfilled, fulfillment of all your desire. New covenant and eternal life. We read a text written by the Apostle John in his Gospel. Chapter 11, the verses 25 and 26. Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, had died. And although Jesus had been there, a guest in this house, very often, and although the sisters of him, Mary and Martha, had called Jesus to come when Lazarus was still alive, but ill, in a dangerous condition, so his illness was a very serious one. But Jesus had sent the messengers back to the sisters of Lazarus, telling them, he's not going to die. But then he died anyway. It was a shock for the sisters. Their thought was, oh, he had been far away. And Jesus made a mistake. But then he came when Lazarus was already four days in the grave. And when he came, 
he told the sisters, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. That's something strange, isn't it? He will live even if he dies? That's impossible. I, I know this by experience. As a pastor, I've seen people die and being dead without breath and being buried. There was a funeral and I had to address the speech to the audience. And I've done that very, very often. And this is not my experience. He will live even if he dies. But Jesus says this. Says this. He will live even if he dies. If someone believes, someone believes in me. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So this is not in my experience either. I have seen people live and I have seen people die. But I haven't seen people living, 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 never dying. I haven't seen that. It's not my experience. And I'm sure it's not in your experience either. So what does Jesus mean here? Death is terrible for us, isn't it? It's cutting off. No more life. But for Jesus, death is like sleep. And he's going to wake you up again. So for him, it's not a difficult job waking you up. He's the creator. He can speak. And it will be. So for him, death is no problem at all. If you have trusted in him before you died. Afterwards it's too late. It must happen before your death. And what Jesus is going to tell here, and he shows it with Lazarus, he walks to the grave, tells them, remove the stone in front of the entrance, and then he prays and calls Lazarus, get out. And then, and then, I can say this as well, but nothing will happen. But when Jesus said it, Lazarus appeared in the entrance of the grave. Alive. It was quiet all around. No one moved. They, they, they did not dare to breathe anymore. Nobody had seen anything like this. And when this happened, The high priests made a decision. Now it's high time to kill him. And they made a decision to kill Lazarus as well. 
it was too much for them. Too much. But that's our Savior. Death. What is the problem for him? It's no problem at all. New covenant, new mission. In the last verses, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 28, we read it from verse 18 to 20. And there we read, and these are one of the last words of Jesus when he was here on earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So maybe if someone is a mayor of a city, so he has the power for this city or for a village. Or maybe he is a president and is the power for this state, for this land. But here we read, Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So that's, that's all. All power. Normally, we in democratic states, we separate these powers of the legislative and the judicative and executive powers. But in Jesus, everything is united in one. And he says, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And therefore, Go you therefore and teach all nations. We are teachers, aren't we? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them, so again, teaching, teaching, teaching. To observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teach them what I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's Jesus. Those are Jesus' words. So he has got all the power. All the power. He is the king. He is the church. He is the, the ruler of the universe. He is the most high in this universe. And he says, although you are not able to see me any longer, because then he made his ascension to heaven, even so, I am with you. Although you cannot see me, I'm with you. How long? And to the end of the world. So there is an end for this world. When Jesus comes back with all his angels, collecting, gathering together, 
all to people who have an intimate, trusting, loving relationship with him. Better, we, we have made friends with him. There, there is a friendship with Jesus. Otherwise, you will not be taken by the angels. You are just left behind. And this is the end of your story then. But if you are not left behind, and if you are gathered together by the angels with all the others, then you will get everlasting life. And you will never experience the second death. There is even a second death. So that's the death forever. Not an ever-living, painful situation being in the hell. That's a lie and not the truth. You can either get everlasting life or the second death. That's the end of everything. So, it's Jesus' love who makes it possible. And if you love him and obey him and follow his commands, you will be there. Summary. Let's have a look at this piece of art painted by the Austrian artist Maximilian Jantje, a close friend of mine. I've told him I would like to have something like this, but he made it even better than I, I had it in my vision. A shepherd with his sheep. And we see this caring attitude, this loving attitude of the shepherd to his sheep. David, as a shepherd, wrote a psalm. And it shows his confidence in the grace of God. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Here we see it. We are the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because I get everything from him. He makes me to lie down to green pastures. Green. Green grass in the Orient. That's, that's something very special. Because rain is not so often in the warm areas, climate areas of this planet. So here are green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Sheep like still waters. They are afraid of running currents. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, so I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's very dangerous. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. 
thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. Why could David write like this? He was a shepherd himself. And then he discovered, ah, my Lord. He, he takes care of me like a shepherd. And he knew what it meant to be a shepherd. And he discovered, well, that's how Jesus cares for me. And once Jesus told the parable, there was a shepherd, had 100 sheep. And at the end of the day, he discovered one is missing. So he left the 99 behind in the courtyard and went off. Looking around, looking for the lost sheep. And in the end he found it. In a desperate situation. Without Jesus' help it would have been lost. Would have been dead. A wolf or a bear would have found it. Now. This has a very special meaning. In the universe. There are more planets than our planet Earth. And some of them are inhabited. They are inhabited. There are living beings there without sin. And Jesus left these 99 planets behind and came to this one lost planet Earth. Our planet, and we humans on it, our planet is this lost sheep he came for. He knew it. Without his help, we would have no chance. Therefore, he came out of his love. This is tenderness. This is love. This is Jesus. Thank you.